Welcome to A Moment of Bach, where we take our favorite moments from the composer's vast musical output, just a minute's worth or even a few seconds, and show you why we think they are remarkable. We are your hosts, Alex and Christian Giebert. Today's moment is the beginning of the second movement of the Violin Concerto in A Minor, BWV 1041. Sometimes it's the job of a piece of instrumental music to just start off and go right away on a journey. That's usually the case with the fast pieces of music and movements. In this podcast, we talk a lot about different movements. We never actually explained this word, Alex, for people who don't know what that is. But it just means the different parts, the different parts of each piece of music, each larger work of music. That that typically have breaks between them. Mm -hmm. So like something has three movements, there might be a fast one at the beginning, so there's basically a short, fast piece of music. It ends, the orchestra stops, gets ready, turns their page or whatever. Then they start a second one. Usually that one's slow. Then the third one's usually even faster and more conclusive and a little bit more fireworks at the end. I think that Bach was especially good at openings to slow music. He's got all these famous things that follow that genre. And this one is no exception. Bach is a big fan of the musical device called pedal point. We know from this time period of music, the bass line is very important. We talked about how it's called the continuo bass, the basso continuo, and it, it tends to drive the harmony from the bottom, right? It's what, what we now call chords sort of harkens from this era of notes being put together and then a bass line being put on them and then a really firm foundation being used and that's what that bass is. Yeah. I think Bach was especially good at slow movements that begin with a very steady, unchanging bass line. And we call that pedal point when a line like a bass part stays on the same note for a while while other things happen around it and change harmonies around it. If you follow the bass line at the beginning of this movement of this violin concerto, and we're talking about before the violin soloist even appears, right, nothing has happened yet with the violin soloist, he's just waiting, the orchestra is beginning. What's happening is we hear these heartbeat pulses. Bum, bum. Um, almost like the first one of each pair is accented, right, Alex? Can yeah. You say that, especially the first one in each measure. If you take out the score to this, it's kind of interesting. Those notes are eighth notes. Those notes seem like they should be faster, but sometimes in the slow music, he decides to use notes that look like they're going to be faster, but they're not. 
So you wind up with 30 second notes in this bass line, but that hardly matters. What matters is what it ends up sounding like. And I think this performance, they do a really good job of making a heartbeat out of it. Like bum, bum, strong, weak, which is a really nice way to accent musical meter. Yeah, we call those pulse accents, or sometimes we call them agogic accents when it's like you're taking an important beat and bringing it out by playing it louder. And a lot of modern music will tell you what notes to accent. There'll be a little specific marking sitting on top of the note on the page saying, accent me, right? But in this old music, that's typically never happening. I mean, it's almost never happening in this music. And you're just expected to know how to do that. And a lot of that is pulse accents, right? A lot of that is making sure that it goes one and two and, as opposed to like one and two and, and if they all sound the same, it doesn't really have that heartbeat like you're talking about Christian it doesn't really have that um, slow pulse if you were to not accent any of those notes what would happen is they would all sound the same so the pulse would sound twice as fast right right there'd be there'd be like half as much actual musical information present right because mm-hmm. there'd be no distinction between notes so much of the simplicity of what the th- the thing looks like on the page for music of this era is kind of amazing because it gets realized by the players into something so much more. They put these pulse accents on here. They put some ornamentation onto it. They add the harpsichordist and or organist takes the continual line and adds chords above it. They just make it so much more than what it even started as. But Bach, of course, as the composer, was anticipating that people would be doing that too. Right. In this example... This pedal point kind of doesn't need to be there, right? You could take it out and it could have a bass line that jumps around with all these chords. These bass notes could easily be jumping around to make these chords make a little more sense, but that's not what he chooses to do. He chooses to have this heartbeat pulsing thing that stays on that note C for a really long time. The reason why I chose this as my moment, or one of my two moments for today, because actually I have two moments from this introduction. It all occurs within three measures, or I guess five, however you slice it. But my first moment for the day is two measures long, and basically eight chords long. The reason why I love this so much is it's not just a good example of pedal point. It It definitely is, but we've seen those before. We talked about the wonderful pastoral opening to the cantata Du Hirta Israel, Hira. And that evoked almost like a bagpipe sort of folksy quality with its, with its bottom note that was so stable and sturdy. This one's a little different because it has a little bit of an extra dimension to it. The bass line does move, right? It keeps popping up, but then it keeps going down. Yeah. Starting on like do, 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 mi, fa, sol, do, like that. Da, 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 dum, bum, bum, da, 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 bum. Yeah, it's like it keeps wanting to escape upwards, but then it falls back down to where it started. Right. I love how it, it's just about to, to get away, but then it has to it has to go back. Almost like being back on the ground or something. Like The way I like to think of this, metaphorically is like being on a bicycle and going over a little tiny bump that seems like it's going to launch you but then you just kind of roll back down gently like maybe a mountain bike where you're on a trail and there's a 
dirt hump and you have to go over it and it always feels like it's going to be this big huge thing but then it just sinks back down yeah or like a rubber band stretching a little bit and going back to where it's to a stasis Mm -hmm. or like maybe this doesn't really work timing wise with the example but like somebody's shooting hoops or whatever and it's like there's that little hop up that little shot but then it makes it in the basket and then you're, you're good you're good and we wait a little bit. Then they get the ball again. Then they shoot it. And it's like, uh, oh, good. He made it. You know? Yeah. Those kind of things. I mean, there's tons of little metaphors you could make with this. But it's one reason why music is so great, especially abstract music like this. You can kind of just like paint your own little picture of what this could be about. Or it could just not be about any of those things. And it still has merit. If you if you keep listening and you wait for the bass, it finally does move. And it starts to step down, right? that stable pedal point on C finally starts to step down and down to G so that we can begin, our violinist can enter and everything like that. So in a way, like with the bike analogy, it, to me, it's like the first two bars is like a couple of humps to go over, but you're still going flat mostly. Da, 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 bum, flat. Da, 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 bum, bigger and bigger humps. Da, 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 bum, but you're still flat. then finally you start going down b a g right and you're going you're finally going down and that's like finally starting a descent on a trail or something also shout out to my favorite chord in the first measure that, of course, in classical rules, resolves correctly like it's supposed to, but momentarily is very modern-sounding, sort of open-sounding, made up of fourths. Yeah, you don't have chords in the Baroque era, functional chords, that are made of just fourths. They have to be made of thirds, at least in some way. But then here it is, so how do you explain that? Well, like you said, like you alluded to, Christian, it's because it's it's a suspension. It like it needs to resolve, and then it does on the fourth chord that you hear. It resolves. Yeah, and there are other momentary dissonances that seem extra biting, that are really just explained by the pedal point. Like there's this chord we hear in the second measure that's like this on beat two, but that sort of makes its own sense without the pedal point, right? If you imagine it without it. So the pedal point being there before it and after it, sort of being omnipresent in time makes it legal right yeah the reason why i chose this again not just because it's a pedal point but actually it's because the bass line leaps up so interestingly when bach could have easily chosen a lazier and faster route the first one seems pretty normal the second one also pretty okay but the third one that happens Bum, 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 bum. Right there, that's a very interesting leap of a dissonant interval called the major seventh. Then it has to go up because it's been doing that, but then it has to go all the way back down in an even stranger and bigger leap down. Yeah. A steeper drop, you know, bumping bumping down to the ground there. Da-da-da-bum. 
This is all a little weird because it normally a you know a melodic figure like that would just resolve itself nearer to where it is. It could go like da 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 da. But this one it goes ba da da ba. The octave is 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 wrong. It, you know it goes yeah. down. But it's going down because it's going back down to where it was, right? It's going down to the floor. Yeah. To the ground. And then as that, as it continues, you start to step down. It becomes a sequential stepping down. And you get a lot of the interval of the seventh from that upper note to the lower note. Yeah, and what I love about this too is that that bass line is the melody thing happening right now. I mean, like you said before, it's this is be, this is the intro. This is before the violin soloist even comes in with like the main melodic material. But for for now, those other violins and viola are not really playing much of a melody. No, it's kind of like just chords, upper chords, yeah. right? I mean, I mean if, you could argue that. It sounds like a melody, but we know actually that Bach wasn't thinking of that because later it's different. Yeah. Later he repeats this kind of pattern and just keep, keeps uh, voicing chords differently above a bass line that sounds like this one. Yeah, but, so. but everything will always still work and sound melodic. That's true of any, like, fugue. That's true of any, all this stuff. You know, that's everything horizontally works. That means, like, in a melodic way, right? If you're, as you're reading it across, mm-hmm. as you're listening to it, we, that's why we, what we mean when we say horizontal. And to your point about tempo earlier, Christian, I thought of this, too, and I had a composition teacher who told me this. He said, like, Bach works at every tempo. Hmm. Yes, he specified this piece, this particular movement to be slow, and the one before it to be faster, but you can play Bach at any tempo and it works. That's pretty pretty true of almost everything in Bach. It's just like mm-hmm. one of those things that everything is so airtight the way it's composed. Like what you just did there, Christian, when you hummed those violin notes, those short notes that aren't really melodic. If you were to play those a little faster and even remove the rests and just play this twice as fast or something and then just omit the bass line even, it would still sound awesome. Like. Yeah, it's just one of those things that you can you can always transform things like this. You can always play them faster or slower, and it totally works. Yeah, it's sort of like the music itself is already decoration upon decoration, and you can really get a lot out of it in a lot of different ways. That's why there's so many different recordings and performances of this kind of music. Yeah, you know. Plus, this is before the metronome was invented. Really, I mean, Beethoven had metronomes, I think, early ones, and it really affected him a lot. But in Bach's time, you know, they didn't have as much technology like that so he probably did have to he probably did have to expect that people were going to perform music at some different speeds even though this does have a marking it says andante which means walking speed so yeah, there was probably that, a relative is that the eighth note or is it the quarter note because it sounds like with this recording and a lot of ones that i've heard of this is like it's the eighth note right it's that boom boom I mean, isn't that kind of like, right? Actually, it must or be is the a eighth slow note. plod, maybe. Yeah, it's just maybe a, it's a slow walk. Because that's the thing about walking speed. It's it's, yeah. it's ve- it leaves a lot of room for interpretation. But that's kind of how Baroque music is, right? It's open for interpretation in a lot of ways. Right, and also it just comes down to like what sounds possible in the 
extremes of tempo. Like if you decided the quarter note was like that, then the next violin thing yeah. when they come in would be too fast probably. It would be totally. And also you got to think that like there are actually 30 second notes in this in this introduction in the bass line. So just by looking at it, you'd know as a performer, this is slow music because you got to think of 30 second notes being the smallest division of something you're thinking of. Bum, 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 even though they don't play it as strictly as they I don't. just said. Yeah, they actually play 60, what sounds like 64th notes in a sort of stylistic choice, which is really cool and mm-hmm. probably very well informed, you know. So I, I think those kind of decisions are always part of what makes it unique, what makes each recording of these kind of things unique. Yeah, there's so much to listen for. Like, Alex, now we're talking about interpretation. And, of course, in Baroque music, that's definitely true. You don't always just play what's on the page. Listen to this bass line again and think it's actually written like this. Bum, 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 da, 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 da. That's the rhythm. Yeah, and they are marked as short notes, or at least in this edition, but that might just be an addition thing. And then and then those little high, uh, you know, those bumps that you talked about are written as slurred or like together, um, you know, smooth notes. And so it should be bum, 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 ba, bum, bum. You know, if those were really super right. smooth. And they they don't do that in this no. recording. And no. it, they, they pick a really more interesting, I think, better way, like we said, of, of pulsing. And then the way that they spread out that those thirty second notes on the edge of that, and it, yeah, it's definitely they do something they do something that is very much in line with the Baroque ideal. They ornament it to make it much more decorated, right? Yeah. They they do it. We spoke about all the way back in episode two how in the cantata Nun kommt der Heiden Highland, we saw at the very beginning that opening. <laughs> It had a regal opening, almost like for a king marching in, right? And there was a theme to that. They took a figure that could have been bum, 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 ba, bum, ba, bum, ba, bum. So they make that shorter note even later, right? Yeah. And even smaller. And they stretch the longer one a little bit. And nothing is lost time-wise. It's just moved around, right? Yeah. So things are stretched and pushed and pulled to make to make a long story short. That's a lot of the magic of a really good early music ensemble, I think. Yeah. Or any musical ensemble, for that matter. It's not something we always have access to in our modern music with a drum set because that brings a different dimension, but it also closes the door on some of this pushing and pulling of time. Right. Uh, because that person becomes the timekeeper. But it's interesting still... How many choices a group like the Netherlands Bach Society would have to work with? So I promised another moment, and it happens right as soon as the violin enters. You'll notice a really fun, crunchy dissonance here. The violin starts up on that G and then quickly cascades down. It briefly touches a B natural before it goes back up to a C. Right when it hits that C, right after the B natural, the harmony of another part plays a B flat. This creates a very striking type of dissonance that we call a cross relation. And it means that right after or before a note was another note of the same 
type, but flat or sharp or natural, depending yeah. on uh, how the music is written. And it has to do with where those notes would lead. You'd expect that B flat to lead down to the A. And on the next measure, finally, it does in the second violin part. And it always does. The B natural in the solo violinist always goes up to C. The B, yeah, the it's, B it's flat raised, and the harmony right. goes down to A. Exactly, because it's lowered. Yeah, the stuff that's lowered wants to fall. The stuff that's raised wants to go up to the, the note above it. It is a concept from hundreds of years earlier than Bach's time, but definitely still by his time was still a pretty intense flavor spice to use. And especially the ones like this that are so biting. There are even uh, ones in other examples of Baroque music and early music with simultaneous cross relations. But this one is a consecutive one. We have a B natural and then a B flat right away in another part. We have a B natural again in the violin part and then the B flat in the violin part. It happens right after on the next measure. But it always abides by the rules of which way, like you said, Alex, which way the notes go. Yeah. We even had one just last week, which I didn't really touch on since, Christian, I know you'd really explain it more this week, in Erbarmerdich, right? We had that in the violin part. And that one's a simultaneous cross-relation. Yeah, and if you play them and then you pause on it for a second, it sounds horrible. <laughs> like, not yeah. bad, but just horrible. Not just bad, but horrible. Um, yeah, you'd be like, there is a wrong note. <laughs> yeah, but it does not sound like that in context, right? No, no, no. Yeah, everything is following the rules, and because the rules are strict, you can really stretch an emotional moment like this, or sneak in a simultaneous cross-relation like this. And it works, and it's for effect. I mean, you don't do this in, in a happy-go-lucky theme. You do this in the St. Matthew Passion, right? Yeah. Or in a very, a very gripping moment of a violin concerto like this one. Yeah, and even in that St. Matthew Passion example, of course, the rules were followed. The note that was raised went up in the violin part. The note that was lowered went down in the continuo part. Mm -hmm. A nice little thing about this section, too, this second moment you chose, Christian, is when it happens, it's not just like, oh, cool, the violin came in, but nothing else changed, because something else does change, and that is that the continuo stopped right then. Yeah, like it goes away. Boom, it's gone. And then you do hear like kind of a higher octave playing those pulses now. And that's the viola, which is the, you know, medium range instrument, which previously was just contributing to those short chords happening, you know. Mm -hmm. And now now it gets to play those pulses and then the continuo goes away. It's just a nice uh, it's just a nice effect there. And then Bach will bring that back in in two measures. And go back to the previous thing with no solo and then he keeps switching off it's just it's really nice another thing that's great about this too is just that the, so the solo violin part, I mean, it's got so much rhythmic interest. You talked about that measure, Christian, with the, the first measure and how it has that falling motif. But then it has this really lovely thing where it just leaps up, ba -da -da, ba -da -da, thing is, it's so cool. It's just rhythmically, 
it's got a lot going on. Yeah, it's very virtuosic. It, it, be, it would be very hard to play. And I do love it, like you said, how the, the floor drops out there. When, like when the violin comes in, all of the stuff that we've been raving over about this bass line, it's gone and it disappears. And you really do float for a while. And then the violinist ends his phrase there. And then the bass re-enters. And then we have that stable material again. But then after a really short time, the violin comes back in and then we float again. Yeah, I mean, the longtime listeners of A Moment of Bach, hey, we're, we're far enough into this now that we probably have people who have, you know, listened the whole way and then some who have just come on. But the longtime listeners will know that that's what I love in those first, I think the first and third and fifth episode were all kind of, those were all my moments that I picked and they all have to do with the bass line kind of just coming away and then it, and we float, you know, we wait for the bass to drop back in, right? The bass drop, you know, as they say. Yeah. And those moments are always really satisfying, whether it's in like EDM music of today or way back here. It's like you feel like you're floating for a second and then at an opportune moment, it's like, boom, you get that foundation right back. Yeah, and the reason why that works so well in all these diff very different styles of music is that those lower notes, those lower frequencies act as a real grounding element, right? They feel like the firm earth in a way. Yeah, and giving us, giving even a momentary like pulling out of the rug from underneath your feet to make you uh, lose your balance and but then suddenly like it's like if somebody did that right they pulled out the rug but then later they like sort of picked you up and just set you back down it's like it's okay i got you you know it's that's the metaphor exactly there, I think. i've noticed so much so often with my own um like arrangements and compositions that's a thing i it's like a trope that i maybe overuse you know i i'm always doing this thing where like stuff is happening everything is full and then on the downbeat of a measure I'll take the bass away, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll like, boom, hit it on beat two or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just like, blah, 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 one, two, and then on two, it's like a big bass note. You know, that, right. that kind of thing is really effective. And mm -hmm. you, you see it here. I mean, it's not on beat two here, but you know, you see it just in every era of music bass. You do. It works with the drum set, with the kick drum, with the bass drum, it you know, it works. And, and in this era, the continual bass, I mean, in, in English, it was called the ground bass. So yeah. it, it is, it's the ground. You know? Well, and it, it's, yeah, I mean, this, this idea is like, I just alluded to it a second ago, but like it's, this is, idea is huge in electronic music. Mm -hmm. That For sure. it, not just electronic music now, but like old, you know, electronic music of like the late eighties or, or or especially nineties, where it's, even then it was like, there was this big buildup and the idea is that the bass is not in yet, you know, or at least it's cut out for like a long time and it strings you along and then it, at a really like satisfying moment, the bass drops, right? Like that's a huge thing in music of today and it's just, it's kind of cool to me that it's like definitely not new. It's not new, but but delightfully, it actually was a lot newer in Bach's time. It's true. Because the Baroque era 
the thing that it brought to the table was the the new firmness of the baseline. That's I true. Mean, yeah, you've talked about that a lot. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. this is something that astounds me, and I remember thinking as a, as a student learning this, like that can't be right. But it is absolutely true that even though people did sing low and play low sounding instruments hundreds and hundreds of years before Bach, it's still true that the idea of a firm and organized bass line that is the basis of harmony above it is something that doesn't actually get put into popular practice until after the year 1600, right? And it's, it's only been a couple of hundred years of development of the later Renaissance composers experimenting with lower things. And even for a long time before that, there was always a lower part, but the lower part had no functional difference to the parts above it right. in any real way. Sometimes it was just as, it was usually just as melodic as the others and wasn't the root of chords or anything like that, really. Right. right. So I love thinking about that and that how the many things that come from around the world to bring the global type of music that we have now with the drum set and the emphasis on rhythm a lot of it has a lot of it doesn't come from the western world and right and pop music uses very little of the narrative power of western harmony you know and stuff like that yep and counterpoint that stuff's not popular anymore but what did really click with everyone in the world is the baseline yeah And the baseline is omnipresent now. There's a baseline in everything you hear now, just about. Usually it's an electric bass or something like that, or you know, something synthesized. But it's there. There's a baseline in everything now. Yeah. Would sound weird without it. Yeah. It sounded like it was floating the whole time and not grounded. Yeah. And now, here are Christian's two moments from the first six measures of the slow movement from the Concerto in A minor for violin, BWV 1041. If this introduction to a musical moment has inspired you to hear the rest of this piece, please see the link in the episode description to see the performance of BWV 1041 by the Netherlands Bach Society. Do you want to hear our new episodes as we release them? Find us on your podcast app and hit subscribe. Also check out our Facebook and Instagram, and we have a website, amomentofbach.com. Thank you to all our listeners. We know we, have, we know we can see that we have some listeners from the U.S. and also some listeners internationally. Thank you for spreading the word about A Moment of Bach. And please always remember to reach out to us with suggestions or comments or anything like that. We love to hear that stuff. Yeah. What are we talking about next time? 
Next time we're talking about the motet Kolm Jesu Kolm, BWV 229. Until next time, enjoy those moments. Thank you.